The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. In conclusion, I'd like to, some of you are like, did I just take a little nap? I'm not really sure. I actually, in college, had a teacher who told me you, you should never use that phrase when you're preaching. Don't say in conclusion, because people start to pack up. You know, like, okay, we're out of here. Uh, we're done. So, so don't use that phrase. Now, I kind of like it, because if I haven't been paying attention, I think I have to pay attention again now, because he's going to wrap it up. He's going to summarize everything. It's going to be good. Uh, but uh, we are actually going to do the conclusion. If you remember, we have been looking through the book of Hebrews, and we said that even though it is classified as an epistle or a letter, it was very much in the style of a sermon, okay? And the first 10 chapters is really all about, hey, this is what we believe. This is the fact that Jesus is better than angels, and Jesus is better than Moses and the law and the priestly sacrifice and everything like that. He has finished the work of redemption. He is our great high priest. He makes a way. He offers us grace. He is awesome. You need to know that Jesus is better. Okay, so what does this look like in your life? Well, let's, let's look at what it looks like to walk in faith. And we looked at chapter 11 and saw some of these people as they began to walk down the path of faith. Well, when we get to the last chapter, which we are in today, chapter 13, it actually is just, okay, now here's what you know. Here's what that means. Now what are you going to do about it? I had a pastor who used to call the end of his sermons the bridges. He'd say, now we're going to give you three bridges. Uh, this is the links to your life. Well, the writer of Hebrews actually does that. He says, here's some links to your life. With what we've taught you, with what you know, the greatness of Jesus, the awesomeness of this great high priest, what's it going to look like in your life? And we have, don't be alarmed, we have a 10-point sermon today. Yeah, I know. Normally it's like three, uh, and three points in a poem. That's all I can usually come up with. But this day, this week, we have ten-point sermons. So if you have lunch reservations, you'll want to be getting on your phone and canceling those right now, uh, or sneaking out. No, I think we can do it. But we're going to uh, jump in here and look from Hebrews chapter thirteen at what it looks like to be living this new covenant life in a world that uh, really isn't. Uh, it often isn't very accepting of God, not really interested in God. And I think we can definitely say that 2021 presents some rough navigational issues, getting through life while living the new covenant life. However, I think we can also say that every time period has had that. It has always been, you know, a journey to figure out, okay, what does this look like to live? Christ has given me new life through his son. What does it look like to live this life in a world that sometimes doesn't want to have anything to do with God? It, it has always been that struggle, that tension there that we have to look like. What does it look like to live the new covenant life? So here we go with verse number one of chapter 13. And the author begins, and he says, let brotherly love continue. He expands on that a little bit. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And then remember those who are in prison as, those, as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. So the first thing that uh, the, the author says is, point number one, if you want to say, if you're going to live out this New Testament life, first thing you got to do, you got to love people. 
Okay, love continually, it says. And not only is that word in there that is to be continuous, uh, the tense of the word says, hey, this is something that is just to consume our life, showing people love. Loving those who are, you know, it mentions those who are in prison. And I think we think with that, okay, maybe this is somebody that we might say, they don't really deserve love right now. They don't have it. Love those who do not deserve love. Okay, love those who have only... uh, you know, nothing to offer but, to, but need us. Love those people. Come to them in that way. For God has given us his son. Inside of us lives the, the God of the universe. Love personified lives inside of us. And you, therefore, can do this. Okay, you can love others because I live in you. So let's take this and go. I don't know if these are my two worst bloopers, but I was thinking about bloopers since I've been your pastor. One of them... Uh, you can debate later what the, uh, maybe I've topped it and you remember it. Uh, but one of them, I was doing a wedding uh, and I was talking to Rachel Meckling and I said, do you, Rachel, take Stephen to be your wedded wife? And, uh, or she was supposed to repeat that. And I didn't realize I'd said it wrong. And she just looked at me and then she said, I'm not saying that. <laughs> and I didn't realize I'd said it wrong, so I just thought, you know, this isn't a good start to the wedding. Uh, When the bride's just going, I'm not saying that. Uh, We practice this, Rachel. You're supposed to say it, but I said, is that? Now, the other one I had just this past summer, we were doing the uh, funeral for Barb. And uh, you, you remember this, but I, I wanted to comment about how, you know, it was during, you know, there was a great deal of COVID concern at the time. And, and uh, I remember they said there'd be like 40 people, you know, and so, you know, I had, you know, spaced it out like that. People just kept coming. We ran over the well out here. People just kept coming and parking everywhere and uh, packing the place out. And I wanted to say something about how the fact that all those people uh, were a testimony just to her life and the impact that it had. And I, and I said, I just appreciate how many of you have just loved her to death. And somehow, right as soon as I said it, I thought that was not the right choice of words. Fortunately, the family was uh, pretty good about it. Uh, but that's not you know, in the manual as far as what to say at the funeral. Uh, but you just loved her to death, didn't you? Uh, like that, kind of mess up there. But that is a phrase I kind of want to get into our head. We are called to love people to death. I mean, just crazy, uh, this extravagant love. See, that's how the Bible describes the love of Christ, that it is extravagant, it is lavished upon us, and because he has, and this made such perfect good sense to me as point number one, okay, this is what you take into life, because we've been studying through this book of Hebrews, and we've been learning about his grace and his love and his ministry as the high priest and what he does, and he has loved us so passionately, he has loved us so intensely, hey, it just makes sense that now we'll turn around and love others. And we can love the unlovely because he loved us and we were unlovely. Okay, and we can love the undeserving because he loved us when we were undeserving. Okay, and that that just fits so well. I thought, (laughs) that's easy. Man, is this whole sermon just going to roll like this? This is going to be good stuff. I can't wait to come and hear myself preach. Uh, It's going to be good. But then I got to this next phrase. Are you ready? Verse number four. Let marriage be held in honor among all. And let marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Now, again, that first point to me is just, okay, God has poured his love into us. We are to pour our love into others. Easy bridge. What's with this bridge? Uh, I didn't really understand why the second thing that he tells us to do, the second thing that he emphasizes here is that we are to honor marriage. That word honor is the idea of respecting it, valuing it as a precious treasure. Uh, 
And that is how we're supposed to view marriage. And, I, and again, I, I thought, okay, but we've been going through Hebrews. We haven't talked about marriage at all. The, the author didn't really talk about it. You know, why? Why is this? And I, I was digging. You know, I was trying to find, find out, you know, getting out my commentaries and finding out, you know, hey, you know, what's the connection here? You know, why did you throw this in here? I, I didn't really understand how that fit. You know, let's, let's talk about marriage. And honestly, I, I struggled a little bit with it, and I finally just came to the conclusion, you know what? This is one of the things that God says if you're going to live the new covenant life, this is a big deal. So I just have to say, okay, God says it's a big deal. It's a big deal. That if we are going to love him, uh, I'm sorry, uh, if we are going to follow him, if we're going to walk in this new covenant life, we're going to love people. But secondly, we are going to honor marriage. And if you look at the, the verses we read, it talks about the institution of marriage. And it also talks about your individual marriage, that we are going to honor marriage. Now, stay with me. God tells us what marriage is in Scripture. Okay? And I'm going to make this statement because I believe this is true from Scripture. This is not in any way mean-spirited on my part or going after anything, but simply saying what I believe very strongly that Scripture says throughout, marriage by God's design is a man and a woman. Okay? That's what God says. Okay, now understand when I say that, I I want you to think about that because we talked about the conflict, you know, and sometimes just making that statement, I mean, if I were... Somebody, <laughs> you know what I mean? If people are all around the country were listening to me, and I stood up and I said that, that could be labeled hate speech today. Okay, it, it really could. I mean, it could be. Well, man, how could a pastor say that? That's that's hateful. And yet, look at the two points we have up there. We are to love people, and we are to honor marriage. As I see that, what I see very plainly is this: it is possible to do both those things. Um, we had a pastor for a long time that. Um, we loved dearly, but just to be very honest with you, uh, towards the end, he got repeating his illustrations over and over again so many times that Francis I would sit there and say, okay, here we go again. <laughs> We'd start to quote the words with him. Okay, if you ever start to do that, uh, it's really going to hurt my feelings. But t- tell me. Okay, we've heard that story so many times, you've got to come up with a new one. Uh, but, uh, but he would repeat the same illustrations over and over again. However, Repetition is the key to learning, and I remember one of his illustrations. I remember one day he said to me, he said, hey, Dan, he pointed me out, and he said, I want you to go up to the piano, and I want you to play for us. I want you to play Amazing Grace. Now, of course, being the smart aleck that I am, I went up to the piano, and I started to play right away. I cannot play Amazing Grace. All I can play is that thing where you go, and so in the middle of the Sunday morning service, I started doing that. He, I'm not sure he appreciated my ministry uh, at, that, at that point. But, uh, but his illustration was this. He said, how incredibly unreasonable would it be for me to have Dan go do that? You all know Dan doesn't have an ounce of musical ability in his uh, entire, entire body. He has no rhythm. Uh, and why in the world would, he, would I tell him to do that? That would be just wrong for me to tell him something that he is incapable of doing. I remember him saying that. And, and his point was, when God calls us, he equips, he empowers. If God has told you to do it, you can do it. Okay? That was his point. That is my point here, too. We are to love people. We are to honor marriage. That means we can do both things. Okay? Now, you say, well, you know, I know somebody who's not going to accept my love if I don't endorse fully their, what they're doing in their life. 
Okay, and, and th I know this is rubber meets the road, and, and there's a story like this in every one of our lives where we're like, okay, how do I love this person? How do I care about them? Uh, stuff like that, how to figure out how to do this. What I want to tell you is it is very much possible to do. Biblical marriage, okay, here, and here's the thing. If I believe this, if I believe that biblical marriage is superior to whatever they're settling for, and I really believe that, then I can communicate to them in love and kindness. If my heart is that they would know God's best. <laughs> so then, therefore, as a child of God, I want to defend because I want to honor biblical marriage. At the same time, I want to do my best to maintain loving lines of communication. Okay? Now, I might not be seen that way. But to be honest with you, that doesn't matter. Do you, do you know what I mean? What, what I'm saying, and again, let me get very specific. There's a person in my life that has basically announced, you know, we're going to live uh, the gay li lifestyle. We're going to be homosexual. And don't tell, he said this to us. He said, do not tell me you love me if you are not saying that what I'm doing is right. Now, I have to honor marriage, okay? And I have to honor marriage the way God defined it. So I'm not going to say that what he is doing is right. But whether or not he is willing to accept it, I can continue to love him. I can continue to love him and treat him well. You know, the verse said about hospitality and our love, open arms. You know, I could continue, and I know this is tough, and I know many of you have situations in life, whether it is with uh, the homosexual lifestyle, whether it is with just a, uh, a outside of the bonds of marriage lifestyle, and you're, and you're navigating that, and you're working on that. And what I think we need to say from this is we are to honor marriage, and we can do so loving others. And, of course, when it is talking about marriage, too, like I said, it talks about the institution of marriage. It also talks about my marriage. So I want to honor that in every way. It's interesting. When it goes into the verses about immorality, the Greek root for that is pornea. Okay, you hear that? Pornea. So my... Uh, De deviance, what word I want into that, going into pornography or like that is a affront to that. I'm not honoring my marriage, okay? My flirting, I'm not honoring my marriage. You know, what, whatever it goes like that. But, that, but God has called me to do this. You say, well, how does that fit in with New Covenant living with everything we've talked about? I'll be honest with you, I'm still a little bit like not sure, but, I, but obviously God put it on the list. Okay, this isn't really my sermon I'm preaching. I'm taking it from the author of Hebrews, and he said, point number two, honor marriage. Big deal. See what else he has to say. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, what do we have? What do we have? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm sorry, Zach, what was the little chorus we sang at the end of the, the song? What is it? Huh? Lord, I need you. Yeah, I mean, and that's really what that comes down to right here. It's just coming back and, and uh, we have Jesus. What else do you need? Okay, so the third thing that he says is if we are going to uh, live this new covenant life is we are going to reject consumerism. We're going to reject thinking, we have Jesus, I don't need these things. Now, let me be as specific as I can here. I am not preaching against having things. Okay, well, I've said this before. By a worldwide picture, we are all stinking rich. Okay, and we all are. We, uh, if you compare us around the world, we're rich. E every one of us in, in what we have. The car in the parking lot that you have, say, mine's a clunker. Visit around the world where they don't have anything like that. 
And I am not saying that the Bible condemns us having things, enjoying things, buying things. I always you know, sometimes, Pastor, uh, uh, we don't want to show Pastor the new car. Or, you know, he probably thinks I should put all the money in the offering plate or, or whatever like that. Please know, this pastor doesn't do that. <laughs> I don't look and say, oh, wait a minute, that's an awfully nice home you got. Uh, yeah, no wonder we're, 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 you know, our lights flicker at church. Uh, you know, that, I'm not going there, by the way. These are all, these don't flicker. These are flicker free. Uh, but uh, but you, you know what I mean? I'm not in any way judging anybody for having something, whether it's the second home or the first home that's really nice or the camper or the dog, whatever you have. I'm not, I'm not going there at all. But what the author says here is that when you have Jesus, you have what you need. And if you are looking, and, and here's the thing. How much you have of these things is irrelevant. But if you are looking for the things of this earth that you can get your hands on to fill up your life, it doesn't matter how much you get, it's going to be empty. Okay? Whether you have little or whether you have a lot, that's really the message of Scripture. I mean, go throughout Scripture and look. God does not condemn people having things. God does not condemn people having wealth or a savings account or anything like that. But if we are trying to fill up our life with that, and think that these things, the next thing that I get is going to make me happy, we're missing it. So if you're going to live the new covenant life, we're going to reject consumerism, and we're going to find our fullness in Jesus. The next verse says this, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men can do to me. The fourth thing we want to do is, if we're going to live this new covenant life, we want to stand confidently. We have Christ. Therefore, why would I fear those who can only harm this body. Why could I fear, why should I fear what can only harm this body? Why should I fear those who have no power over, over eternal consequences? I'm going to fear the one who lives forever, who reigns forever. I'm going to fear him. And, you know, I, I was thinking about the application of that in my life, and partly where it has played out in recent years is, I'm not, again, if, if God calls you to political involvement and activity, I'm, you know, I'm not in any way standing or saying you should not do that. But I think for me, I don't want to ever lose sleep because the wrong person, the person I don't like got elected. Or the right person thinking, okay, our problems are over. Because b bottom line is, <laughs> uh, basically, the things of this earth, the temporal kingdoms of this earth, that's not what it's all about. I don't, you know, I don't know how many times we can continue to say that, that this life and everything in it is temporary. And, you know, and again, I'm not saying, well, you're saying we shouldn't be involved. No, I'm saying we shouldn't rely upon that. And that my joy, my fulfillment, everything like that is not tied to any of that. For this kingdom, kingdom of this earth, is going to vanish. So I'm going to live confidently because my trust is in the one who has the power over eternal consequences. Okay? Next up here, we're going to read a few verses here. Remember your leaders. Uh, we're, we're not going to develop that right now because actually there's two more points where he says that, and I don't want to preach about myself forever. Uh, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. By the way, I think this is largely talking about back in chapter 11, those who were examples of faith. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. I don't really think, the, I think I'd be taken out of context to say, do what I'm doing. Uh, I'm, I think it's pointing back to those in chapter 11 who followed him by faith. Now, Jesus Christ is the same. Man, what a great verse right in the middle here, kind of an anchor of the whole passage. Jesus Christ is the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by what? Grace. You know, Scripture doesn't ever tell us that rules will strengthen us, but it does say grace will. Uh, grace will strengthen us, not by foods which have a benefit devoted to them. And we have an altar for which those who serve the ten have no right to eat. Just to explain, you know, we talked about the sacrifices. Uh, most of the food that was offered as sacrifices or the animals were you were allowed to eat, except for that we talked about those on the Day of Atonement. They were not allowed to eat. But it goes into that. And then he goes on and he says, From the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest. You remember we looked at that, the tabernacle, the holy place. Uh, like that, as a sacrifice for sin are burnt. Okay, here you go. Those bodies are burnt where? Catch this phrase for a second, outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered where? Outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Jesus, taken out of the holy city, marched out of Jerusalem up to Golgotha. And that's where he laid down his life outside the camp. Therefore, let us go to him where? Outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. To them, that phrase outside the camp was a place of disgust and disgrace. What was outside the camp? Everything that was unclean. Those who had to cry out unclean because they had diseases. The latrines were outside the camp. The open latrines were outside. That's everywhere that was disgusting, disgraceful to be outside the camp. And yet this passage here, he says, Ah, okay, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. It, again, he's moving us, and he says, hey, hey, Jesus suffered with them outside the camp. And I want us just, we don't have a ton of time to develop this, but I want to talk, get you to think about this whole idea of the place where Jesus was outside the camp, the place that would have been a place of disgrace, a place that would have been a, uh, a place where you know, ill repute that Jesus went there like that. That is where he suffered. And Jesus calls us outside the camp to where he is. And first of all, know this. Where Jesus is, is the holy place. Okay? Not that, you know, Jesus went outside. So therefore, what was considered the holy place, no. Jesus is left there. He's outside the camp. Now that's the holy place. And if we could just take, the, the, there's a whole sermon in this idea of being outside the camp, but if we could just take this one idea and just remember that where Jesus is, is the holy place. Okay, that when we are with him, we are dwelling with him. That is where we want to be. So we want to go along. We want to come to Jesus outside the camp, his call to us there. And maybe that means outside of what we look at as the organized religion and all the religiousness that sometimes is associated with following him but really isn't about following him and say, no, this isn't about those things. It isn't about the religious world. It isn't about the sacrifice and the ceremony. Let's come outside the camp because where Jesus is, that's where it's holy, and where Jesus is, that's where you want to be. Okay, and that's really the idea. He calls us to that. Let's go to where Jesus is. And again, <laughs> kind of like, maybe I should come back and make that, that a whole sermon, that idea of outside the camp is so powerful, but if we could just capture that idea that where Jesus is, that's where it's holy. Verse number 15. Through him then, let us continually... Okay, there's that phrase again, and also that tense again that says, this is to be part of our everyday life. Offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. The sixth thing we want to do in our journey in this new covenant life is we want to make sure we're thankful. And this is just, to me, this is just such an incredibly powerful, easy, practical point 
In other words, if you want to take one thing away from the message and say, hey, you know what, this is something I'm going to, this is the bridge I'm going to try to live, I'm going to start each day with these words, thank you, God. Now, this has been so powerful in my life when I do this, but I want to be honest with you, a lot of times I will start with those words, and then there's a long pause. Do you know what I mean? I'll say, thank you, God. And then I'm like, okay, am I really thankful for what's going on right now? And sometimes it takes me a while to come through and begin to thank God for who he is. But even just, hopefully I'm making a little sense and you can connect with that because I've done that publicly. You know, I thought, you know, you know in other words, time to pray. Thank you, God. And I thought, okay, what am I saying? What am I thanking God for? You know, you just kind of say it, and it's kind of like God arrests my attention and says, you know, wait a minute, let's really get you here. And to me, when I do this, it is such a powerful turn-my-thinking-around attitude when I stop and I thank Him, and I praise Him for where He is. You know, we sing this song around here, this scar song. Do we? I think we sang it last week. Uh, but, uh, you know, I thank you for the scars. Every time I sing that, I, I struggle a little bit, every time we sing that, because... Honestly, where I am right now, today in my life, I can sing that and say, yeah, I get it. I thank you for the scars. I am so thankful because they have brought me to where I am. They have helped me to know you better. I am so thankful for the rough times in my life. But I remember that there have been times in my life when singing thank you for the scars was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I'm not thankful for this. This is an open wound that just hurts like crazy. And I'm not, I'm having a hard time being thankful for this. You see, now I look and I say, yeah, I'm thankful for this. But you know what? I sing it now also realizing that unless I'm going to heaven sooner than I realize, there's going to be more times when the scars are there. And there's going to be more times when I'm going to bow my head and say, thank you. And then say, God, am I really thankful? But he said, hey, this new covenant life, let it be marked by thankfulness. And I, I just think, you know, in, in a simple, hey, we could take this and give this to the uh, Francis down the hallway with the four and five-year-olds. Uh, we could give this point to them and say, hey, start every day just saying thank you, Lord, and list something you're thankful for. And list where you're thankful. I think this is such powerful. This is so transformational in our lives and so simple. Uh, we want to get that. Let's go to the next verse. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Basically... Elite language I'll use there, share your stuff. Okay? This is something that we want to do. We want to share our stuff. And what somebody approached me a couple weeks ago and handed me a gift. And I was like, and and they said, hey, 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 that's not my money. It's all God's money. This is what God told me to do with it. Okay? Pretty hard to argue with that, for one thing. Uh, but for another thing, what a great approach is to say, this is not mine. You know, it is so, we were looking uh, at my bank account on, uh, <laughs> on Friday, actually, because I got a present from somebody. Congress, I don't know who, I think it's a present for me, but uh, I, but whatever, somebody put some money in there, you know, and uh, and right away I went and I transferred it over into savings, okay, which by the way, I said I'm not condemning savings, uh, it's something that God does, so I transferred some money over into savings, and I looked at that, and and this is kind of weird to stand up and say, but I, that that is the largest my savings account has ever read, and and when I got thinking about that, I, I looked at it, I said, hey, my money, 
you know what I mean? You're thinking about it, my money, my, 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 my. Uh, but I really got thinking about that. And then I came in yesterday morning, and I'm sitting back there going through this sermon and started preaching to myself and said, your money, right? You have all that. And I thought, again, I'm not condemning the savings, but if my approach is that's mine now, I have saved it. I'm missing the whole point. It is not mine. And if God decides he wants me to move that money somewhere else, that's his money. That's his. The new covenant life just says, it's not mine. Okay? Not wrong to save, not wrong to have, but what's wrong is to hold on to it and just say, my, 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 mine. God, you keep your hands off. Share your stuff. Do good to other people. Let's keep going. Boomba. You're keeping score at home. Let's see. It is 11-17. I'm on point number eight. Am I going to make it? I don't know. If you play those games, I always did because I'm very immature. Okay, ready. Um, he says this. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are the ones keeping watch over your souls. Okay, basically it says this. You answer to God for what you do and how you live. The leadership does answer on a higher level, if you want to say it like that. Okay, so remember that, if you will. But look what it goes on and says. As those who have to give an account, okay, there that is, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. <laughs> okay, time to give an account for uh, Curtis. Oh, no, Lord. <laughs> not Curtis. How about we talk Amy? Uh, not, not Curtis, you know. For those that no, no advantage to you. Okay, let's, let's just add our next point there. Follow your leaders. And I, I'm going to tell you something that is off script here a little bit or off Bible script for a second. But I kind of want you to know this. This is kind of where I am in life. You will not have Dan Thomas be your pastor and hate coming here. You won't have it happen. When I get miserable and you know it, I'm out. I just want you to know. Now, that's not a threat like, don't make me miserable. <laughs> be nice. Send me only nice emails. Uh, I'm not saying that. I, I'm not saying that hard times won't come or I may, may face that. But I don't think you ought to have a pastor who's just miserable in what he's doing. I like that. I think there ought to be kind of a joy. So, and I think part of that, you know, even as you pray for me, which is the next point, uh, as you pray, you just say, you know, uh, help him to minister with joy. Help him to, eh, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying, you're not making me happy. I'm quitting. Uh, get that guy that was here last week if you can. But, you know, I'm not saying that. Okay, that's not where I'm going. But what I am saying is just kind of from a personal standpoint, I don't want to go to a church where the pastor is just suffering and doesn't want to be there. Do you? <laughs> I don't know. So I'm kind of like, you're not going to have that. It's kind of, it's like I said, I'm stepping aside for a second, just giving you a personal promise. You're not going to have that. If I'm here, uh, it's because I'm, I'm thankful for God for the opportunity to serve. And again, I'm not saying, boy, if things get rough, I'm quitting. That's not what I'm saying. Am I making sense? Makes sense, but you are to conduct yourself in a way towards leaders that, that where you can, you're trying to make it a joy for them rather than a groaning for them. Okay, point number nine, along the same track, pray for us, for we are sure, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. I want to get back together with you, but would you pray for us? Would you pray that we can act honorably in all things? Would you, then I make this practical, I say, would you pray for me in particular that uh, in my neighborhood I act honorably <laughs> living out this new covenant life? Would you pray that if I go down and drive the uh, 
bus. And uh, the elementary bus in particular, that's extra line of prayer. Uh, but would you pray that uh, there's, uh, you know, that I act honorably, that I reflect in that way. Would you pray for your leaders in that way? This is something, again, God put it on the priority list here. we got ten things we're going to tell you. Now let's get to the most important, okay? We're at the end of the sermon, the end of the service. We're going to have a benediction, okay? And actually, we're going to do this in a few minutes here. But uh, here's what he did here. He said, now, may the God of peace who brought you again from the, uh, from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. And he's kind of summing up. that I didn't do a great job of reading that. If I'd done that in a better voice, that's a great benediction. By the blood of the eternal covenant. i got to get my preacher voice on for that. Okay. May he equip you with every good that, uh, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. How do we do it? Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So the point number 10, if you have it like that, after we follow our leaders, after we pray for our leaders, point number 10, let Jesus be your source. This is the life you're going to live now. Well, you want to simplify it, walk with him, share him. Somebody... uh, uh, it was just in one of these little weird, trivial things um, I was reading this week, and they said, what's the central chapter in all the Bible? I'm sure all of you have that on the tip of your tongue, uh, just what that is. But I found out it is Psalm 118. You know, if you take all the chapters from Psalm 118, and not that I think this is super significant, but at the same time, I was kind of fascinated. Psalm 117 is the shortest chapter. I'm sorry, the yeah, shortest chapter, two verses in all the Bible. Psalm 119 is the longest, and right between there is this Psalm 118. So I just thought, ah, I'm going to read Psalm 118. And I got to the middle of that and, and came across the verse that talked about, and there was a lot that could be like a central point in our life, but one of the things that was talked about is the idea that Jesus being the cornerstone. It was the prophecy of Jesus being the cornerstone. The cornerstone of our life, which is that block that is on the end there that everything is to measure up to. That everything is to be compared to. You know, when you lay the cornerstone there, you put that up there and you put the guideline across and everything has to match up to that cornerstone. You don't want to match up to the next block because it's going to be a little off and then you're going to get a little bit more off and a little bit more off. But every block that is laid is to be measured to to the cornerstone. And perhaps just to summarize everything as far as living the new covenant life, we can say that if we are going to live life, hey, this is good. This isn't mine. Listen to this. Live life in our ever-changing culture by clinging to our never-changing Jesus. Ooh. But that really is good. How are we going to navigate through this life? How are we, and, and again, I, I don't know for sure that I can say, oh boy, this life is harder now than it's ever been. To all of us old timers, it seems like that, because we remember, you know, the older we get, the better things were. But uh, I, all I know is oftentimes navigating this new covenant life, this life in Jesus Christ in a world that really isn't too interested in Jesus can be very tough stuff. So bottom line is, how am I going to do it? By clinging to the one who never changes. In a world that changes constantly, how am I going to do it? I am going to cling to him. I want to abide in him. And you know, in navigating through the last year of everything that's gone on in in our world, you know, so often for me, I I am tempted. I want to give my opinion on everything. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, here's what I think. I still do it, but I make sure that the person I'm talking to agrees with me. I'm very brave like that. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, I... But one conclusion, I think, and, and seriously, I think this came from the Spirit of God. He kind of said, Dan, nobody really gives a rip what you think. <laughs> and that's really the truth. You know, nobody's waiting to hear, what does Dan Thomas uh, think about that? So why don't you just focus on your walk with him, sharing him with others, and loving other people? Dan, why don't, why don't you really make that a priority? And hopefully, and I don't, you know, I hope you've seen that, you know, even in the preaching of the last year. I I don't really think God has called me to set all the world's problems straight or that I could or that anybody is listening to me enough to do this. But I want to do everything I can to shepherd you all to walking with the Lord, loving other people, loving Him, and kind of simplify in that way. And I, I'm not suggesting that there aren't more complicated issues that many of you have to deal with all the time, but sometimes I think if we would just come back to this idea, I'm called to follow Him, live this life that He has called me to, live this life that He has given me by walking with Him. I'm going to ask um, Zach and can't list everybody today. Zach and friends uh, to all come back up because we are going to close with a song. As we do, though, if you would allow me to back up for one second. I have a list of ten things today. Hey, this is how we live this new covenant life. The last thing I want you to do is take that list and think, okay, this is how, this, this is how I gain eternal life. This is how I get right with God. I do these ten things. That is the last thing that I want you to do. This is at the end of, of Hebrews. This is the last chapter. This is what he is saying because you know Jesus Christ, because he has given you new life, because the all-powerful God has taken up residence in your life in his Holy Spirit. This is how we can live. This is what new covenant living looks like. But, it, but I got to back you up and say, please, please, please don't say, okay, if I keep these rules, then I'm a good Christian. What Hebrews has taught us throughout is this. We become a Christian, we become a child of God only one way it is through Jesus Christ. He said the blood of animals they looked at in the Old Testament, that didn't, that didn't wash away anybody's sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ, only faith through Him, that's the only way to enter into this Christian life, to have this new life in you. And once you have that, this is, the, this is what you're capable of now. Can, can, can you love people and, and still honor marriage? Yeah, you're capable of that. You know why? Because Jesus did it, and Jesus lives inside of you. Yeah. Honestly, that's what, that's what we're talking about. Zach, I forgot what we're singing. What were we saying? Give me faith. Give me faith. Okay, we're going to sing Give Me Faith. I'm going to get my spectacles. And at the end, while we're still standing, we're going to kind of have a, a benediction. I'm going to read through the last few verses of Hebrews there again. But I, I like to say this as often as I can. Please. If this relationship with Jesus Christ is something that you're, that the Holy Spirit is kind of saying, yeah, you need to find out some more about that. I would love to have the opportunity to tell you more about that. Because <laughs> if, if all you get is the thing, okay, I'm going to work on being thankful. I'm going to work on being this. We, we got the, the you know, cart way before the horse if we're doing that. This is the end of the book. The rest of the book has told us that we have one who has died for us and said, come to me. Believe in me. I'm the perfect sacrifice for sin. Put your trust in me. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg.
For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.